The show you're about to listen to is part of the Hopped Up Network's growing family of craft beer podcasts in the U.S. and Canada. Find this show and others like it at hoppedupnetwork.com, the spot for informative and entertaining craft beer podcasts. Yeah, this little like triangle we have, these beach towns between Icarus, Last Wave, Fry, Backward Flag, you know, I'm always talking to those guys and helping each other out. That's Jeff Greco, owner of Heavy Reel Brewing in Seaside Heights, New Jersey. Welcome to Over Beers, a craft beer conversation podcast. My name is Freddie Clark. Before we get to our conversation today, at one point we're going to be discussing growlers and the fact that they might not be around too much longer. I thought a little history about the growler would be a great place to start today. A growler, as you know, is a container used to take draft beer out of a bar or restaurant for consumption off the premises. In the United States in the late 1800s and early 1900s, most beer was draft. Families would routinely send someone, usually a woman or a child, to the local saloon to bring home beer for the evening meal. The container used was often literally a galvanized steel pail, sometimes with a lid on to prevent the beer from spilling on the, on the way home, but the container would sometimes rumble with escaping carbonation, and so it was dubbed a growler, and the person carrying it was said to be rushing the growler. Pre-prohibition saloon keepers catered to the growler trade, often with a small service window that they referred to as, quote-unquote, the family entrance. There it was possible for women and children to rush the growler without walking to the bar. The popularity of the growler was a point of considerable contention in American society. Children lined up outside of factories to pick up pails from working men, rushing them back from the saloon in time for lunch. Anti-alcohol crusaders, hoping to keep men away from saloons, decried the fact that beer was so easily brought home. It was not unknown for children to sample a beer, of course, before it arrived at its intended destination. The tradition of rushing the growler largely disappeared after Prohibition, but the growler today, as you know, reborn as a glass jug, is used to bring craft beer home from bars, shops, and brew pubs. These days, the jug, filled from the taps, it doesn't growl because it has a screw-on cap. Many craft breweries and brew pubs produce some beers that are available only on draft, and beer enthusiasts are understandably very happy to be able to take these special beers home. Growlers were big business for many small breweries, and some beer shops do a brisk trade in them. The crowler, or large can, is taking its place more and more. We'll see going forward if growlers continue. Let's get to our conversation with Jeff and Jesse Greco of Heavy Reel Brewing. We sat down late morning on a Saturday and had our conversation over beers. Did you grow up in the area? Um, no, I grew up coming down to the area. Okay. Yeah. Um, my family had a boat, and uh, we used to bring the boat down here every weekend. Um, and she kind of grew up down here because her family had a house down here. So, okay. Um, Where did you grow up? I grew up in North Jersey, Mount Olive Township, okay. All right. um, Flanders, All right. so little town. Yep. And you, your uh, your cell phone area code kind of gave that away yeah, too. Yeah, nine seven three. Nine seven three is not down here. Yeah. That's, one, that's North Jersey. One of my, one of my tattoos is uh, tattoo nine seven three, and she hates it. <laughs> so. Spoken like a true Jersey uh, shore girl, right? So wh- growing up. In the nine seven three area code, what what was you know what, what was your intro to beer? What got you into into beer? Uh, so my intro to beer was actually my father. Uh, 
first time I turned 21, I went to a liquor store. Did you turn 21 more than once? Uh, actually, I was actually a pretty good kid. Okay. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't really do too... My, uh, my first 21 beer was like Mickey's and stuff, you know, whatever 40s you can get your hands on. Mm -hmm. okay. um, but uh, when I turned 21, my first legal purchase, uh, my dad and I were going to watch a baseball game or something. And uh, went to the liquor store, I saw... You know, he was a Brooklyn Dodgers fan, so I saw Brooklyn Penn and Ale. Uh, I'm not sure if they make it anymore, but I picked that up for him. And uh, I saw Sam Adams Cherry Wheat. I was like, oh, I like cherries. I'll just buy that. I didn't even know I was buying craft beer. You know, I just kind of, the labeling got to me. And, I, you know, I didn't know they separated to craft beers, non-craft beers. Mm -hmm. So just picked it up, and that's kind of where it started. I was like, oh, I like Sam Adams. This, that's my beer. Right. And it's kind of went from there, and I guess... I thought I was drinking craft beer for a while, and then, uh, you know, I saw Lagunitas, we got into Lagunitas, and then that was like, you know, a big thing, and it's just, uh, craft beer is just kind of addicting. The more you get into it, like, I thought Lagunitas was craft, you know, real craft beer, and then like, the even more niche breweries you go to, it's mm -hmm. like almost a cult following, so. Right. So it wasn't, it wasn't <laughs> like, you know, it wasn't like you were not sneaking beer from your father and that. It, no, it was, not it at was, all. It was, you really so, waited till you were 21. I remember he used to have in his, uh, in his, you know, in his, his fridge, he would have Long Valley Brew Pubs growlers because mm -hmm. they were, you know, a mile down the road from where we lived. Um, but, you know, I never even tasted it. I just saw, I was like, oh, dad got this big thing of beer from somewhere I don't know like what that thing is you know now a growlers you know it's locks that's part yeah. of your business every day yep that's funny so Sam Adams was your entry your gateway yeah um, and then Lagunitas what just drinking at the time I mean what got you into then brewing uh, well I guess Jesse can is kind of the downfall to that <laughs> So, together we started going on a lot of trips, and wherever we went, he started to look for a brewery to go to. Okay. So, we went to, I don't know. Uh, the first one was Shipyard. Shipyard, um, yeah. Our hotel actually looked at our window of our hotel, looked at Shipyard, the big Shipyard Brewing logo. I think there's a pamphlet yeah. downstairs that said, like, yes. free beer and tours. And we are like, we were, you know, young. We were, like, 23, Five. 25, so... Um, yeah, so then we just kept on going to multiple different breweries, and he really got into it. So I was like, I'm going to buy him for Christmas a beer-making kit. But, like, I didn't buy, like, just the little one you could get, well, Mr. Beer or something like that. Yeah, it's I, Mr. Beer usually yeah, is the, yeah. I got him, like, the legit one, and I, he was afraid of it for a while. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I didn't even want really to, like, when we'd go to the breweries and stuff, they'd do the tours and stuff like that. I was like, oh, yeah, this is kind of cool. Like, there's some tanks and stuff. I'd, he likes drinking. I just like <laughs> trying it, you know. I didn't really care about the brewing aspect. And she got for me. I'm like, oh, that's actually a cool gift. Like, we, and it literally sat in the closet for probably a year, a year and a half. Okay. And then, like, one rainy day, I'm like, you know, I'll, I'll give this a shot. It's the worst that can happen. It'll make her happy because I'm finally using this Christmas gift. <laughs> but, like, three beers in, he's like, I'm going to open a brewery. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> That's yeah. diving in head first there. Yeah. I'm like, not yet. <laughs> it's funny. I hear, you know, I listen to a lot of podcasts, talk to a lot of brewers, and it's always kind of like the same story. Like, you know, like, I did it. I wanted to open a brewery. It's like, you know, people, uh, home brewers now, like, the first time you do it and you taste alcohol or mm -hmm. you know beer different and it doesn't taste that bad you're like i think i could do this right and <laughs> what were you doing how were you making a living before that when you uh, were i was yeah. a teacher you're a teacher yeah. okay. still is a teacher okay so this is not the full-time gig this is it not will be yet. soon hopefully. it will be soon okay <laughs> all right for both of you no no <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> okay. Maybe in the future. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So what, what were you teaching? Or what are you teaching? Well, uh, phys ed, I teach. Okay. Yeah. All right. Nice. Okay. So you're starting to now brew on the homebrew kit. Uh, what were you brewing? Um, just pretty much IPAs. Yeah, the first um, thing you did was that Lagunitas clone, right? The, yeah, started, she got me the Lagunitas clone. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and this is going back uh, six, seven years ago. So at the time, um, Jersey, uh, you know, I think Cane Head High, I was like trying to do anything that tasted like Cane Head mm-hmm. High. Anything that was uh, sort of like carton boat, you know, mm-hmm. that was really like for the local scene. Um, West Coast IPAs were still really big at the time, so you know, loading up your IBUs. Um, so pretty much, just strictly IPAs was all I was really making. Okay. Um, I think you made me a half because I was like into half when you first started drinking. That was beer. after apprenticing, though. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. so then all right, so you did a, you you brewing at home, and then you said I want to open a brewery, but it sounds like then there was another step. Yeah. So. Uh, you know, I wanted to dive head first into it because, you know, I wanted a career where I can control what mm-hmm. I do and not have an alarm wake up me up every day and have to, you know, be at a place for a scheduled time. Like, I just don't like that kind of lifestyle. So, you know, I just wanted to own my own business. And, um, yeah, so I told her I think I want to do it. And, uh, you know, at the time we were engaged, you know, we were looking to buy a house. So, you know, real life was kind of right on the horizon um it kind of hit its full effect now but um yeah so i applied to i think i sent an email to every brewery that was within two hours of where we lived at the time and uh you know mike kane was looking for i think bottom of the line solarman mm-hmm. and uh so i applied with them uh, i remember i think i told mike this story recently i like went during my lunch period and bought like a, a dress shirt and tie to like <laughs> just because I was like I don't know, what do you wear to like a brewery interview and this, you know and uh, they ended up hiring somebody from I think a brewery in uh, somewhere out west okay. and then Gretchen was kind of you know the first couple months in she was like you know I'll bring you on board and train you um, at Little Dog yeah, at yeah. Little Dog yeah okay. I had you know I'm a veteran so I had the GI Bill so I was applying to brew schools you find out they don't, you know, the GI Bill won't cover a brewing school. So I was like, well, at this point in my life, I can't go to school now. So I mm-hmm. apprenticed there with Gretchen. Um, kind of learned, you know. I think you I, reached out to like every brewery in New Jersey and yeah. said, like, I'll work for free. I just want to learn. Mm-hmm. And she was like, the only one who got back to you. Yeah. Um, you know, she brought me in. And, you know, I was just kind of just asking questions about everything, you know, like, um, brewery management you know like it's much more uh running a brewery than it is like working at a brewery like i literally have so many roles here it's i never really i i guess i knew but it's a lot right yeah you're not just brewing anymore oh no it's it's everything probably the least amount of time you spend is actually brewing yeah so um you know i still have to you know find time to make the brewing part of it fun you know right right amongst the thousand other daily tasks or weekly tasks so um yeah but you know she gave me a huge opportunity um i met a lot of people um whenever we go to meetings and stuff and just kind of networking and um, a lot of those people i'm still friends with you know, tori from backward flag i met when they were in the you know brewery and planning stage and mm-hmm. we still talk on probably a weekly basis so met a lot of good contacts right well and then the and i've said this before on the show but the the community around 
the brewing, the brewers, the brewery owners is amazing. Yeah. Because you all, 90% of you guys all know each other. You all talk regularly. You all help each other out. And yeah. it's And I think that's part of the reason, too, why that kind of has trickled down into the the customers into the, the yeah. craft beer fans in Jersey because they see you know it's it's impossible not to see like you, you were saying earlier you were over at Icarus today mm-hmm. so you know that sense of community I think even with the customers the, the craft beer drinkers in Jersey it, it it shows and it kind of builds all around that yeah this little like triangle we have these beach towns between Icarus last wave Fry, backward flag, you know, I'm always talking to those guys and helping each other out. Um, you know, when we first opened, when we got our license to brew, there was no materials on hand. And, you know, the yeast came from, you know, backward flag. Some grain came from uh, Icarus. Some, I think, hops and grain came from last wave. You know, it's kind of, <laughs> everybody could just kind of chipped in, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, it was just crazy. It was, uh, you know, it's still cool because we still all talk and, Try to get together when we can. Okay. Yeah, nice. Yep. So how long were you with Gretchen? I would say six months, like an entire uh, spring into summer. Okay. Um, yeah, so spring and summer. And then was there any place else, any other stops no, in the way, or then it was Not really. It was kind of up. just like, um, you know, it got to the point where uh, it's, uh, I tell home bre- uh, people that want, want to own a brewery now, just don't think about it for so long and just kind of do it. I just kind of got, you know, I either have to do it now or never because, okay. you know, when we first started apprenticing stuff, we were engaged and now we we're, you know, saving for uh, a wedding. We bought a house and I was like, if we don't kind of do this now, because I know it's going to take, you know, it could take up to two years to open a brewery. I was like, uh, we just kind of got to do it now instead mm-hmm. of, you know, and that's kind of what we did. Now, were you guys back living around here at that point or were you still where were you living when you decided to pull the trigger so we're we live in like central jersey my okay. parents live in south seaside park okay so we always he and i always want to move down here we just haven't because of work and things like that mm-hmm. where we're located um but we always knew that if we had a brewery it was going to be down the shore because that's where we want to end up um okay. in the next three months <laughs> <laughs> yeah I've been um, saying that for like the last three years, but right. it's gonna happen. <laughs> yeah, our, our cars hate us. It's a lot of driving. I bet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, guys have come in and want to brew, and I, you know, I tell them like we kind of start around three thirty, and sometimes it goes till two in the morning. You know, like so. <laughs> this isn't like a, an ideal place to apprentice. You know, because it's like late hours and. Because uh, he's it's, working it's, all the time. It's crazy, yeah. Well, and you're not the first one. I mean, I've talked to a bunch of guys who are doing that. And, yeah. and you guys are brewing in the middle of the night yeah. after work, you know. And yep. These little air mattress here. Sometimes you sleep. Yes, I, I <laughs> literally <laughs> almost lived here out of this place in the summer, you know, just brewing around the clock and, uh, you know, still not even, still running out of beer on weekends. So right. it was a struggle. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, at least for the summers, it's got to be a... A little easier, at least from the fact that you are you te- you're not teaching in the summers, no, right? No, no. Right. And we uh, so we opened up on you know a small system that uh, I had already at home, so we didn't have money invested into equipment here. So okay. everything I had, we started with uh, from you know at home. So in the summer, like we were literally cranking out. It was like a barrel of beer at a time, and just wow, know, not even being able to last the weekend. 
Wow, um, you were making with, it a with, barrel at a time. Yeah, with eight fermenters. He um, basically said he wanted to use that equipment and see what happened before he upgraded right. and not go into it with a ton of debt and he wanted experience at first. Yeah. And yeah. if it went well, he'd get better equipment, so. Yeah, like this, this town especially, I don't think, it started to creep in a little bit now, but you know, for the longest time, it's been $2 Miller lights, dollar Coors lights, you know. So I was like, I'm not going to, when you're looking at it as a business, um, it doesn't make sense to take on an $80,000 loan to start up if, you know, the, the crowd's not there. Right, right. Um, so, and we got by and every dime we've made, we just kind of reinvested and keep buying bigger stuff. We just got a new system in, uh, keep buying new fermenters. Okay. Um, just kind of, so this summer, I think, <laughs> I think we should be in a better place. So you spent the whole summer on a one barrel system last yeah, year. Yeah, it was technically a barrel and a half, but uh, you know, we were doing a lot of double IPAs, which would yield, if we were lucky, um, sometimes half a barrel. Wow, okay. And I would imagine, given your location, the summer is yeah, summer, really summer's, hot. summer's really crazy. Right. Um, and like I was saying, you know, this morning, like, to, <laughs> calm before the storm today, like, today's going to be nuts. Right. Well, that's uh, good. It's kind of, we say to each other a lot, like, just running on fumes, you know, like, just keep going. Right. Right. Yep. So from the moment you said, yes, we're definitely doing it, how long did it take to get started? How long did it take um, before that door opened? All right. So when we signed the lease, uh, it took 11 months to open. But, okay. you know, we looked at previous towns before that, and uh, that added on an extra, what do you say, three to four, four months? Four months, yeah. We tried okay. to open in Seaside Park and okay. met some barriers. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, you could just Google have a real seaside park and just. <laughs> well, so but, I mean, I mean, let's. I mean, what what happened? Because I'm, I'm very always very interested in that. Certain towns are very welcoming. Yeah. Certain towns are not as welcoming. Certain towns could give a crap. So I mean, what was? I mean, um, if you don't mind going into it a yeah, little bit, what was? Yeah, it's the, just uh, two or three people can spoil a party, you know, and right, get, okay. give you kind of bad information, and um, you know, I. I I've had a lot of candid conversations with people about how I really feel about what happened there. But, um, you know, if three people are on a board, they can make a big stink right. and uh, cause you a major headache and cost you tens of thousands of dollars. <laughs> so, yeah, there's definitely a, uh, a little hard feelings with okay. that. Okay, well, that's fair. And I then, mean. so once that happened, a couple other towns reached out to us because it was, I, I guess somebody wrote about it and said, like, how badly the experience was, how bad the experience was there. And a couple other towns reached out to him and said, we'd be happy to have you. And oh, great, okay. So Seaside Heights is one of them. And All right. So we moved in this direction. Nice. It's been fun. You know? <laughs> okay. Where uh, people come in and, the, you know, they ex I don't know what they expect from this town, because if you drive around, a lot of things are vacant still. Um, but we always say, like, you know, this area could be so happening again, mm -hmm. you know, and not, you know, not the club scene, not, you know, the fist pumping scene. Like we can kind of make our own kind of scene here. And a lot of, you know, us and a couple of restaurants around here kind of working together, you know, a lot and trying to, you know, tell people we're kind of trying to change things around here and, you know, make, we're blocked from the beach. So we're trying to bring that community back. Right. Well, and, and you know what? Breweries do tend to have that 
role yeah. in a lot of towns, not just you know, not not just Jersey. You hear about it in other places too, yeah. where you know a brewery, maybe even not so much a residential slash you know vacation type of spot, but if, even in an industrial area mm-hmm. where a brewery comes in, then a couple restaurants pop in, and yeah. then a couple of really maybe art. Studios, yeah. or and then some more residential, and before you know it, you've got a, a vibrant group, a vibrant community that's right. basically yeah. kind of started with the brewery moving. We in. need a coffee shop. I'd probably be the number one customer. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, I mean, that's I mean, breweries and coffee. Yeah. I mean, that's um, yeah, it's 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 been fun. Uh, just since last year, like last year, we were here every day building the place. We'd look out the windows, and it was. Vague, uh, uh, nobody around, and mm-hmm. now, you know, now that we're open, we kind of look around on like a Friday night. We're the only business open in town most of the times, and you know, we're still drawing some people, which is nice. That's good. That's good so. because it. I mean, you. I mean, right now, I mean, there's cars on the street. Yeah. But pulling in, you know, on a Saturday early afternoon. Yeah. In in January, it's not you know it's like all right, well it's a yeah. sleepy little <laughs> seaside town right now. Yeah. So it's nice because we're situated between you know Seaside Park. We're situated between Lavalette and you know Tom's Rivers, right over the bridge. So we got like a nice little triangle mm-hmm. of customers, which is cool. Especially you know, and I I always look at it like from different aspect when it's not summer I like knowing where the people are coming from right because you know, summer we know we're going to draw just because of the location but um, I'm really focused on well let's you know this time of year let's let's kill it this time of year right well are you getting this time of year are you getting a lot of repeats or is it a lot of the same people or are you seeing a lot of it's kind of depends on the weekend yeah 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 it's very um, we're having trouble kind of seeing a trend um, it's it's very unexpected. Some days, will like you could tell that these are beer people and they're coming for the beer. And then mm-hmm. there's other days where you could see that they were driving past and maybe saw it, or were visiting people in the area and maybe saw it. It's kind of hard to mm-hmm. hard to get a feel at this point yeah. um, of who's coming. And it's amazing how many people. How I feel like, well, people probably know about us and they don't like. Yeah. So many people I don't even know that we exist at this point. So pretty often people tell us like, oh, we're a hidden little secret over here, you know, like okay. away from some of the bigger guys. Which is, it sounds cool, but as a business owner, it's kind of like, all right, well, we don't want to be secret. <laughs> Let's right. break through. We're <laughs> uh, screaming from the roof. Right? Yeah. Yeah. We're here. We're here. So we're, we're doing AC Beer Fest this year. So you okay. know that will get some word out there. Um, you know, last year we got invited to a few you know beer festivals, and I was just turning them down because of you know the system we were working on um so now this year you know this summer hopefully i can get out in the community more and do some beer events and you know let people know we're open you know (laughs) well how how big is your system now uh it's two and a half barrels uh but again you know we push a lot of ipas here so still the yields on those are terrible right um but like you know this the lighter abv beers we yield two barrels okay and how many how many fermenters you have in the back? Uh, we have six. That's a good amount. Yeah, yeah. that's a good amount. Six eighty-gallon fermenters. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. those they <laughs> that's stainless man. They get used quickly. I they, bet. They, yeah. Every day. So are you how on. like how often are you brewing? How many? Uh, so it kind of depends on the week. Um, sometimes it's you know three days a week. Some days it's kind of uh, some weeks it's kind of hell. I kind of tell her like oh this you know when we talk like Sunday night. This week's gonna be the week from hell because I'll be here brewing five five days a week, you know. And then some days, you know, if I do a bad week, the next week will be more of just you know, kegging and 
not so much brewing. Okay. Um, yeah, so once the fermenters are filled, you can't really yeah. brew the next week, you know? Right. So, yeah, it's kind of just... Uh, I'd say on average about three days a week. All right, that's a good amount. You're yeah. You're probably wearing out the parkway. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Sure is. Um, but yeah, that's a a big thing is trying to just get our name out there. Like we had that article in the magazine recently that we weren't even expecting, and people came in and we're like, we saw you. We didn't realize we were right down the street. We saw you in this magazine, and we were like, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it was for our. Uh, we do. An oyster stout with uh, local Barnegat oysters. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wanted to do something a little bit different uh, for the town and kind of tie it all in. And my idea in the summer was like, well, let me brew a beer that's really effing good, but <laughs> won't sell out. So I was like an oyster stout. Like it kind of ties in everything. Okay, I'm afraid of it. Mm-hmm. Um, the guy that owns the oyster farm I've known from years ago, and uh, it's like our little baby we love that beer and we're like people get turned off because it says oyster in it and uh in that magazine it scored number one out of i think 15 beers beat out ballast point beat out a bunch of uh big name breweries which i was not expecting you know i'm probably well, we didn't even know there was going to be rankings or a winner and we got the magazine and he's like oh man they ranked everything and these get gets to us and he's reading and and his brother's like, it says you're the winner. And he's like, whoa, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm usually, I'm probably, people that know me, I'm so negative and hard on myself because, you know, that's, it, just in life, I just feel like you always should expect more and always expect better. Um, so it's not really being negative. It's just I'm very, you know, hard on myself. So I never think, you know, and I, I try to, I know we're a small brewery. I'm not, you know, we're still kind of, we're definitely still starting out. Um, so I was not expecting to see that and when I saw that I was like oh my god that's and pretty cool and then we had people come in and the guys like one guy's like oh I live in Madison I didn't even know you guys existed until I saw this article and we were like that's crazy like you know you see I don't know you're in this magazine that what I mean it's all over the country what magazine is that on the water on the water okay yeah nice I don't know <laughs> yeah like we're you know we're a half hour away and they read it in a magazine that, right yeah all right so what are we drinking what's what's this guy so that is a german kolsch uh with a little hollertal blanc uh kind of took a unique hop and uh put it into an older style beer um i'm not a big fan of brewing light stuff but uh we have to do it because so light when you say light is an abv abv yeah. abv in color okay um Pretty unique hop, you know. I haven't had much experience with it, um, but and uh, it, it gives it a very distinct, yeah, flavor. Yeah, it's, crisp and yeah. unique. Yeah. yeah, if you get your nose in there, you really get like all different sorts of hop aroma. And, and working with that German yeast is pretty unique as well. So now, have you? This feels. I know it's it's an ale. It's yeah. not a lager. Mm-hmm. Have you experimented? Have you done any lagers yet? I haven't. You haven't. Uh, yeah, just again with the tank space and moving stuff so yeah. quick, it's it's really hard to. Um, you know, we've been talking about expanding into a, a couple different locations, and you know that's on my wish list. Right. That uh, you know, a lagering tank and a uh, an office is <laughs> going to be in the next. In there? Yeah. Okay. Well, but but a Kolsch, I mean, is. I always think about a Kolsch as being as close to a lager as you could really get yes. in an ale. Yep. You know, and this is... We do another one. It's called CT16015. Uh, it's a golden ale, but I, I mean, if you drink it, people think it's lagered. Nice. That's very nice. Cool. All right. And then we have a... That is we have a, wake, a milkshake yeah, here. Wake of Isolation. Double Dry Hop IPA. 
Um, you know, low carbonation on that one. Um, good mouthfeel. Heavily dry hopped. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, I would say, one of our more popular beers. Right. Um, you know, here, too, we, we don't have a standard tap list. It rotates every every time you come in here. So you um, don't have, like, a quote-unquote no, flagship? I, I don't believe in core beers or okay. flagships. All right. So this is very much a, a New England style hazy. Do you, yep. Are you still doing the West Coast style IPAs too? Uh, we have one on tap. Okay. Um, it's actually uh, it's on tap. It's a, a beer I brewed when we got engaged. Uh, when we had our wedding, I put it on tap there. It's brewed with uh, you know spruce pine needles. Um, we got engaged in Vermont, so I tried to brew a beer very Vermontish. Right. Okay. Um, but yeah, uh, West Coast is kind of. I'm just mainly doing IPAs and styles. That's kind of my, mm-hmm. my thing. Not as many West Coast. Not as many West Coast. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's right now these are the, yeah. the, the East Big Coast time. are the, everybody's looking for them. Definitely. You know. But that's nice. That's got a nice, it's got, it's nice and smooth. Yeah, definitely. Yep. I'm all about the dry hop too. I love aroma on beer. Mm-hmm. Like if a beer doesn't have an aroma to me, uh, it's not for me. I like, you know, that color, heavily aroma, you know, on the aroma side. No hops in the boil here on any of the IPAs. It's all, you know, post-boil hops. Okay. Yep. Nice. Well, that's nice. I like that. All right. Now the, now the stouts. Now the dark stuff. Yeah. So the first one is called Road to Zion. Uh, I took kind of three flavors I like. Coffee, rum, and coconut, uh, toasted coconut. Tried to put them all together into one beer. That's the second time now that's been out. Um, I'm pretty happy with that one. You know, it's a 7%. Uh, it feels like a little bit more. Um, still, you know, I want to make a beer that you get like three different layers. You know, you mm-hmm. get hit with the coconut up front, coffee, and, uh, you know, then the rum at the end. So Now are you doing the rum with a barrel? So or? that one is a chip. Uh, chip. That's rum chips. We actually just got our... Jamaican rum barrel in now, uh, so we can age stuff for an actual bottle release for the anniversary. Oh, okay. So, okay. Yeah, it's just rum chips right now, so it's hard. The Jamaican rum barrels were hard to come by. I had I to bet. pre-order one, so I'm happy I got the hand, my hands on that one now. I bet you it cost a good amount oh, yeah. to get here. Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> so you have not been bottling anything yet? No, no bottling, no canning. Uh, we just started doing the crawlers, I think, in September or October, and crawlers have really been... Awesome. We mm-hmm. saw a ton of crawlers, um, especially the IPAs. We go through the crawlers really quick. Right. I'm, I'm always curious because I do. See you still have growlers up there. Are people even buying growlers no. anymore? Yeah, no. Or those are like those have been sitting there yeah. for months now. They've been sitting for months. Okay. Uh, you know, people I bring just, in growlers. People bring in growlers a lot. Um, you know, I even tell my staff, especially for like, you know, the, the stouts, the IPAs push the crawlers because they last longer. Mm-hmm. Um, no, nothing could get in there to destroy it. Um, right. So yeah, growlers, I have boxes hidden everywhere around here. They're just kind of like stands for shit now. Like uh, so those might, uh, that might be the last run I ever do of growlers. I, you know what, it doesn't surprise me because everybody, you know. It's sad too, because I collect growlers from like every brewery I like. I have probably 75 growlers. 
and now I know they're going to be starting to be phased out. So. Right. Right, they're, they're like vinyl. Yeah, exactly, which <laughs> we have a huge vinyl collection <laughs> right, here too. Right, right. There'll be a, so. there'll be a, there'll be a, a growler push in a few yeah. years. Yeah, right? yeah. In the corner, they're like a stand for the chalk from the chalkboard wall. All the growl. <laughs> <laughs> yep. All right, now this guy here. Now? So that one is called Tunkish. That's a uh, Giardelli chocolate bars in the boil, uh, chai tea spice, and. Uh, you know, milk sugar to make it really sweet and smooth. That beer I actually brew for my wife because she likes chai tea and okay. just kind of threw chocolate in there. It's named after our dog, who at the time when I brewed it was overweight. And uh, <laughs> the word means absolutely nothing. It's just came from all these nicknames and mishmashed. And what's the dog's name? Grady. Yeah. <laughs> Tunkish from Grady comes from yeah. Tunkish no, comes from Grady. Called her Chunk. It really bothered me, so he changed it to Tunk, and I said, "That's really the same thing." Yeah. <laughs> and it evolved. It just evolved into that. And actually, it was just supposed to be called Tunk, and then uh, you know we had that beer on opening weekend, and then one of my friends texted me, and he was like, "Did you see Urban Dictionary what Tunk means?" And I was like, "No." He's like, "Maybe you should look." I was like, "Uh." Yeah, that's a tunk-ish. Something vulgar. <laughs> All right. Any, well, any of the listeners can Google. I'm going to Google it as soon as we're done. Yeah, it's <laughs> nice. It's pretty vulgar. All right, so you guys are coming up now on one year will be when? April 13th, so on a Saturday this year. Okay. Yeah. Um, I have a lot planned. How much I can actually pull off. Well, what's the <laughs> idea? Good. What, what uh, are you thinking? So I want to can three beers. Um, okay. Again, like on this size, it's so stressful to even think about canning. Uh, bottle releases, uh, I want to do, you know, the Tunkish and the bourbon. I want to do Road to Zion, uh, like we said in that rum barrel. Um, I want to have a, you know, full day of just constant live music with, you know, a lot of guys I've had come through here already. And uh, just make it fun. You know, that's the kind of time of the year where it starts getting kind of the tourists are coming back so spring is thought yeah spring is in yeah yep. so yeah we might get fun uh i can't believe it it's almost one year you know <laughs> it's bet you it was a blur a, yeah. it, yes it still <laughs> is yeah night, that was a crazy night um, yeah open night in the was, back and, and hyperventilated for like 11 minutes because all everything was pouring off everything <laughs> Somebody up until the, opening was perfectly fine like the week the whole week I'm like tasting things I'm like this is pretty good like this everything's pouring right the, you know the pre serving pressure is right on this one I'm like everything's great and then maybe like an hour before opening I forget who it was somebody around here was tinkering with the CO2 tank and I, I said then it's probably not a good idea to be messing with that and then when the doors opened everything was pouring foam everything was pouring too hard I'm like oh and she lost it she just ran and hit because there was like a line 10 blocks long and people are just filling it up the place and everything's pouring like crap uh, and uh, she ran away <laughs> so I'm pretty level headed when, when shit hits the fan I can usually hold my stuff together so yeah. we survived it was fun yeah. I say like opening day was almost like that feeling of your wedding day where it's like that nervousness in your chest and like it was like it's that same feeling nice so. Well, hopefully, here's hoping that anniversary is not as stressful <laughs> and yeah. there are no panic attacks. Yeah, it was it was really fun. You know, it, it was really fun. I was just talking to a, a brewery that just opened, and, you know, I s said the same thing. I was like, did you have fun at least? And, you know, it's a blast. It really is. Thank you both. 
you can visit Heavy Reel Brewing at 613 Boulevard in Seaside Heights, New Jersey. Visit their website, heavyreelbrewingco.com, for hours and info on their beer. And don't forget about their first anniversary celebration on Saturday, April 13th. Overbeers has joined the Hopped Up Network of beer podcasts. Check out hoppedupnetwork.com to find beer podcasts from all over the country. As always, check out our blog at overbeers.beer. Please leave a rating for the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It helps. You can also leave a comment at the blog or send me an email. I'd love to hear your thoughts and ideas for the show. The email address is cheers at santefoto.com. We've got an Instagram account at overbeerspod. I'm Freddie Clark, and I'm going to go have a beer, but I'll be back real soon with more conversations over beers.